What's going on? And welcome into a NBA lottery edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson. Hope everyone is staying safe, practicing that social distancing and wearing a mask. Joining me today, Pelicans.com writer Jim Eichenhofer. And Jim, hopefully for the last time in a long time, we're talking about a happy lottery day to you, my friend. Hopefully after this, we're not going to have to worry about this show anymore. Yeah, good call. I mean, last year I thought that maybe hopefully that was the last time that we were involved in the lottery. It, it turned out to be a, a tremendous lottery night last year in May. But yeah, you're right. Hopefully this will be the last one that we have to attend in quite some time. Unless we're relying on those Laker picks, then we can come back in here and enjoy it from being a playoff team, but good also point. seeing where the Lakers could be for the bevy of picks that David Griffin got in the Anthony Davis train. Excellent point. I plan on enjoying those picks no matter where they fall, yep. but I think they would be even more enjoyable if they do land in the lottery. So that's a very good point that I hadn't thought of. All right. Absolutely. Well, we're going to get into a lot of things related to tonight's draft lottery at 7.30 p.m. on ESPN. First off, Jim, we're talking about this on August 20th, where normally we're doing this in May with a with a draft in June. But it was just, you know, more than a year ago that you were in Chicago enjoying that number one pick with David Griffin and the rest of the media. Uh, but this year it's going to look a little different with it being virtual and you're going to be at your, you know, your Metairie mansion there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess, you know, I, I will say the food is a little better here at the Metairie mansion than it is at the draft lottery. No okay. offense or disrespect to the people at the draft lottery, but we're in new Orleans here. So it's, you know, you can't compare the food here to anywhere else, of course, but, but yeah, it's going to be, it is going to be strange to, um, I mean, not only will I not be there, but no one will actually be there. I'm not, I'm not even hundred percent sure of how the NBA is actually executing this in terms of where they're doing this. And I'm sure they have their um, accountants and that those type of people there to make sure everything is run smoothly but um, Trajan Langdon is going to be, quote-unquote, virtually representing the Pelicans. So if things work out really well and the Pelicans finish in the top four, he'll be speaking to the media afterwards, and I'm sure he'll, be, he'll have a big smile on his face. But other than that, um, it's definitely going to be different from every other lottery that's been held since the 1980s. Yeah, it's the one day a year that ping pong balls are the most popular thing in the entire country. So we'll see how those work in the Pelicans' favor. It certainly did last year, Jim, but the odds this year, um, a little different than what it was last year um, with the Pelicans even losing the coin toss last year. I believe they won the three-way tie for the coin toss to get to where they were. But this year, just a little bit different. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I wrote about this a little bit earlier this week that the, the odds are definitely much worse this year. Last year, they ended up even – they won basically a drawing that you alluded to with Memphis and Dallas. So they ended up with the seventh slot last year pre-lottery. This year's 13. So obviously, you know your, your odds are going to be much worse. Your percentages are going to be much worse. But if you add up the percentages of the Pelicans picking first, second, third, and fourth, it's actually almost, almost exactly equal to their chances of winning last year. So um, it's pretty similar in terms of, you know – they could finish in the top four. I mean, did we go into last year's lottery expecting to win? Heck no. You, you never say like, okay, I, I like my chances with a 6% chance, but um, it came through and, you know, there were celebrations everywhere throughout the entire region last year, knowing what that, getting that number one pick meant. So um, if there is a, if there is an upside, a positive side to this year's odds, it, it is, like I said, that 
the odds are pretty similar to what it was last year, and it ended up coming through for the Pelicans in, in last May, and you end up with Zion Williamson. And that has to do with the new format, too, as well, Jim. As we, we've talked about it, last year was a new format where the top three teams had the same odds of getting the number one pick. And if you look at back at um, last year in Chicago, three out of the four teams that made it in the top four actually jumped in from the Grizzlies and the Lakers, who were up in the 9, 10, 11 range and us. And the Knicks were the only ones that kept their top four picks. So maybe it can happen for a second year round. But I seem to enjoy the new format based on the Pelicans are one for one in the, in the new format being the number one pick last year. I like it because it, 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 it reduces the incentive to lose because it decreases the, the worst teams in the league's percentage chance of winning. I think in the previous format, it was 25% was the team that the team that had the worst record in the league had a 25% chance. Now it's only 14%. And you flatten it. It's been flattened out so much where the the teams, basically the teams with the three worst records, all have a fourteen percent chance. So really, the the ability to have a terrible season and think that you have a decent confidence that you might win the lottery has been decreased. So I like that part of it for sure. And I th I do think it's interesting, and I'm sure it's kind of the way things maybe people thought it would work out. The very first time they used this format last year, like you said. Um, it immediately made it shuffled the deck a lot. And you ended up with three teams jumping from way back in the lottery to the top. The Lakers, I think had the 11 or 12 slot last year and they ended up picking in the top four. So the, the Pelicans in Memphis were seven and eight as far as pre pre lottery slots. So it really kind of worked out the way that you thought maybe it would. And obviously from a Pelicans perspective, you hope that that repeats again this year, at least in terms of how it benefits new Orleans. On your Twitter page, at Jim underscore Eichenhofer, you, you did release a poll earlier today about which team are you. If it's not the Pelicans getting the number one pick, which of the four teams in the top four would you rather have get the number one pick? And I'm trying to go off memory here where it's between the Golden State Warriors, the Minnesota Timberwolves. I'm trying to think of the third team as far as Cleveland the, teams, the Cleveland, Cleveland Cavaliers and then the Atlanta, Atlanta Hawks. Hawks. Mm -hmm. So I know for me it's any team that's not in the Western Conference should be able to get the number one pick so either Cleveland or Atlanta but can you imagine if the Golden State Warriors who after one really bad year with injuries coming off with NBA finals appearance or a ton of NBA finals appearances that they could possibly five that they could actually have the number one pick after the night that would be unbelievable and I think I I would put yourself in the shoes of the Minnesota Timberwolves they if, if you're the Timberwolves you watch Golden State dominate the league dominate the West which is a, has been a great conference, and they still were the best team in it for five consecutive years. Um, they played the Cavs four years in a row in the finals, and then they lost the Raptors last year. But can you imagine being Minnesota, where you went through that whole era where Golden State was rampaging the league and probably beat you 90% of the time or more head-to-head, -head, and then the Warriors have one season where they struggle and things go wrong, and then they immediately win the lottery ahead of you. So I, I think – I mean, there's going to be a lot of teams that are let, – let's be completely honest – there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be upset if Golden State wins the lottery. But, I mean, they have tied for the best chance to win it. They're tied with Cleveland and Minnesota. All three of those teams have a 14% chance. So, I mean, obviously any of those three things could happen with equal uh, odds. And then the Hawks are four. The reason I put those four teams is because in the poll is because they have the four best odds of winning. Um, the Hawks have 12.5%. So what you, what you mentioned, I, they don't allow you on Twitter to vote in your own polls. I don't know if there's some kind of uh, ethical concern that they have there. Probably. But I, think, 
<laughs> but I think I would have, of those four teams, if I could have voted, I would have voted for the Hawks. And my reasoning is very simple. As you said, you don't want a team, if you're a team in the West like the Pelicans, you don't want a team in, another team in the West to win the lottery. If, if, if you had your way, you'd want the top four teams to all be Eastern teams. Um, but I would have picked Atlanta because, partly because Cleveland has won the lottery three, four, or five times. They've won it so many times yeah. it's gotten – it got to the point of absurdity. And then in between the years where they didn't win the lottery, they had a really good record a lot of those years because LeBron was there. So, I mean, as far as those four options, I think I would go with, with Atlanta first and then maybe Cleveland and then Minnesota. Um, Minnesota's obviously had a, a really tough – other than one year where they made the playoffs, they've had a rough, like, last 15 years. So I would feel good for them. And even though they're in the West, I would feel good for them if they won the lottery. They probably deserve some measure of luck coming their way. Yeah, I think the Hawks are trying to change their uniforms every year that they're in the lottery just to make sure that maybe they all even up as they will have new uniforms once again. But it'll be interesting to see which one comes up on top um, tonight. Um, while we're talking about this, there are um, – I know there's probably no Spurs fans listening. I don't know if we would allow them here to listen anyways. But if they are, we appreciate it. But for the first time, they're going to experience the NBA lottery in 22 years. So if you've been – if you're 22 years of age or younger, you've never had to worry about this night in your entire life. And the fact that tonight they're going to be in the lottery for the first time, it's just crazy that the kind of run that they had as far as making the playoffs. And it'll be weird to see their name on a card tonight, no matter what the situation is. It will be, it will be strange for them. And I think it's, it's kind of one of those situations where you're, if you're a Spurs fan, you get to see how the other half of, of society lives, something that you've never been a part of before. But, you know, we talked about what if the Warriors win it after they just had five years of, um, success and going to the finals. What if San Antonio won it? Like how upset would people around the NBA be if a team um, makes the playoffs 22 years in a row and then the very first time that they, they miss it, they, they win the lottery. So that would be interesting. And they also have, if you go historically, San Antonio probably has the best quote unquote winning percentage in the lottery of any franchise because it seems like um, obviously two of the times of the very rare times that they actually were in the lottery, they got David Robinson and then they ended up with Tim Duncan in the mid nineties. So um, if they win the lottery tonight, I think mm -hmm. that there's, there's, they must have some kind of uh, like, you know, lucky charm or something because that would be incredible for them to be able to win it after they haven't been in it. I'm sure every other team in the league's probably been in it at least four or five times over the, the last 22 years or something close to that. So that would be uh, that would be something that would probably upset some people, including maybe some in New Orleans. I think I'm going to have to hide my remotes just in case I tend to throw one. If uh, that goes, if it's either the Spurs or the Warriors, I'm going to have to remove my remotes away from me. That way, they don't <laughs> go right directly at the TV. Right after the after Mark Tatum makes the announcement, um, let's talk about this draft as a whole. I think there's a lot to be said about the difference between last year and this year um, from a player standpoint. But let's just go from the standpoint that. Like last year, everyone was vying for that number one pick because of Zion Williamson. Even it seemed like John Morant was the consensus number two pick. So whether you finished one or two, you were going to get one of those guys. And, it, and the way those two players played this year, it shows that those two were going to be the unanimous one and two pick. But that's not the case this year, Jim. And it feels like no matter where you are in the top four or five range, you could be getting someone as equivalent as a number one pick. Yeah, I mean – we had uh, Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated. He's their NBA draft expert and analyst. I talked to him yesterday for an article that 
posted on the site yesterday. And he talked about how there's really no consensus this year. And so I think from the, from the draft lottery standpoint specifically, you could make the case that if you finish fourth tonight, it's not that much different than finishing first. Whereas last year, obviously there was a massive difference between once those four teams, once it got down to they went to commercial break and there were the four teams of the Pelicans, Grizzlies, Knicks, and Lakers. I think everybody was nervous because they knew that how much was at stake. And, and really as great of a year as John Morant had, I mean, honestly, there was no question about who was going to be the number one pick last year. So even there was even a cutoff right between one and two in terms of the difference between those two picks, at least in perception. As you could see by the reaction of the Pelican sales staff when the Memphis Grizzlies card was announced. Um, so, I mean, but this year is totally different. And I think from, from that standpoint, you could, you could say that, you know, maybe last year if you made it into the top four and your card was pulled at third or fourth the way the Knicks and the Lakers w- was, there was genuine disappointment, significant dis- disappointment by the Knicks, if, if people remember. Whereas I think this year that won't be the case. I think there won't be a team probably this year that says, you know, oh, well, we were happy we made it in the top four, but we only got three. So it's a huge disappointment or a huge what could have been situation. Um, but yeah, the, there doesn't seem to be, I mean, obviously there's a lot of time between now and the draft itself. Usually between the lottery and the draft is only about five weeks or so because it's usually um, mid to late May to late June. Whereas this year, for whatever reason, they, the, the lottery's earlier than usual this year in terms of the regular season just ended for a bunch of these teams. Um, so things could change between now and October 16th, as far as maybe there will be a player or two that elevates to the top of the draft board and board. And everyone's like, you know, these are the, this is the, the hands down number one, but it sounds like from listening to people who have followed this draft and know a lot about the players in this class, that that's not going to be the case that most likely there's going to be a lot of disagreement over, who the best player is. And another thing that Jeremy talked about that I thought was really interesting was that a lot of people who've made mock drafts have been basically putting their listing the order by who they think is going to be who, in their opinion, which varies a ton from person to person of who the best player is through second best, third best, fourth best. But once the, the lottery happens tonight and the order is determined, that's going to change a lot of people's mock drafts because he was saying that, the order, I think, could be a lot dependent on who, on which team, need, which teams need which guys. So, if if the Warriors win it tonight, for example, then they need a center. That could move the a possibility of a big guy being the number one pick, and it could shuffle things around. So, I think that's another thing that'll be interesting to watch: is how does the how does the order of the teams and their needs affect maybe shuffling the the top four or five guys in terms of when they get picked. Absolutely. And I know a lot of people might say that, oh, this really doesn't matter because it's a weak draft class. I, I find it hard to really determine a weak draft class before the draft even happens because two or three years down the road is when you should probably evaluate or even further along how weak a draft class is. So, again, it may not be, Jim, that, oh, there, there's a star in this draft, but a lot of people might think a guy like Anthony Edwards, James Weissman, even Lamella Ball could be one of those guys that it's not necessarily a weak draft. It just depends on how that player that caters to what you need fits into your system come two or three years down the road. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting if you went back through the last, say the last eight to 10 years and you went back and looked at how people evaluated different specific draft classes, some years where they've said, I think the the analysis on weak or strong draft has been correct. Maybe half the time. So it's like a coin flip. I right. think some years 
when the, the experts and analysts have said, this is a very poor draft, don't expect a lot. They've been right. And there's, um, I forget what year it was. I think it was 13, 2013 was a good example of people said this is going to be a terrible draft where there won't be that many prospects that turn into good players. That was the year the Pelicans traded for Drew Holiday and they traded out of the first round. And that analysis was, was correct. That draft was very poor. If you look at, if you look back at it, there were a lot of guys who picked in the top 10 that didn't turn out to be even starting NBA players. But there's also been other years where people have said it's going to be a poor draft. Don't expect much. And it turned out to vastly exceed expectations. And the opposite is true as well. I think there's been years where people have hyped up a draft a ton and it hasn't panned out to being, you know, that productive. So I don't really know. You make a good point as far as it's hard to predict in the, in the first place. You're talking about guys that are 18 or 19 years old in a lot of cases. It's so hard to say how are they going to develop? What's their, how is their maturity or lack of maturity going to translate into the success or lack of success they have in their NBA career? So um, basically, I put a little stock into what the draft experts say in terms of the strength of each draft, but I definitely don't think that you should take it at face value because it's been proven to be wrong in a lot of instances over the last few years. We'll get more into this as we approach the draft in October because we will be doing draft previews along the way. But if we look at how the new salary cap might be, depending on how everything goes with COVID and the, and the bubble and no fans in attendance, could that maybe change how player teams evaluate their picks in the draft, whether they want to get into the first round for, you know, adding more picks with a, with a smaller salary cap or teams that are dying to get in, maybe you use that pick to trade out and get a lot more than what you would normally get for that number one pick. No, that's a really good point. I mean, obviously we don't know exactly what's going to happen with the cap, but I could definitely, I could definitely see a scenario where to make a long story short, if the cap either goes down or doesn't go up very much and you have teams, if the cap stays the same, for example, just to use that, um, you have guys that are, you have the salary salaries increasing. You have guys that you have to assign to extensions. So you have less money for your, the rest of your players. So you're right. I could definitely see a situation where teams place even more value on those picks because there there's a assurances of how much money you have to spend on those guys. And that if you have multiple first round picks, you're, you can put yourself in a really good situation salary cap wise. I mean, honestly, the Pelicans are like that right now where they have so many guys that are on their rookie contracts that they're in good shape. And that's something that David Griffin has, has referred to a few times during this long period from um, March, April through now where people have, he's done a few different media availabilities and he talked, he's talked about how New Orleans is in good position because they're not locked into a lot of veteran guys that are on big deals. I'm a glass half full kind of guy, Jim, which means tonight the Pelicans cannot drop four slots as they could have done potentially last year. They can only drop to number 14, worst case scenario. And that means the Memphis Grizzlies would have to jump into the top four. So the two teams that had the top two picks last year are the two teams that have the worst odds as far as getting the number one pick. But at the same time, look, you're either going to be 13, maybe 14, but if not, the only way you can go is up, which is a good sign for New Orleans, I guess, if you're looking at it that way. Yeah, I, I like your I like your optimism. You know, the one thing I'll I'll throw in about if they do end up 13 or even 14, which is 14 is extremely unlikely, but possible. Um, Jeremy Wu talked about how he doesn't see the draft board as being that much different right now in terms of people's evaluations and opinions of guys that are picked right now that are projected to be like say eight or nine and 13 and 14. So, you know, maybe if you do end up with 13, which obviously percentage wise is the most likely scenario for new Orleans tonight, 
that you still will say, you know, we can get somebody that we really like that maybe other teams say is the seventh or eighth best prospect on the board, but we like this guy a lot. So we're more than happy to take him at 13. So that's another possibility of what could happen if the Pelicans end up staying put where they are on the, on the draft board. So for those that are going to watch tonight, it's pretty simple. When Mark Tatum starts announcing the draft from 14 all the way down to one, if the Grizzlies gets announced at 14, that means they're staying at 14. And then very quickly, if the Pelicans name is called, obviously that's where they'll pick. But if their name is not called at 13, they will move into the top four. So it's pretty simple. We'll know pretty quickly what the Pelicans are going to do. But Jim, before I let you go, any superstitions you have, any, any lucky underwear, any, well, don't discuss that actually. We'll leave that to, to you. Uh, but any, any superstition that maybe helped you last year, whether it's the same shirt you wore last year, I guess I know you were in Chicago, but are you going to try something new this year maybe to, to help the, the odds in our favor? You know what's interesting? I did absolutely nothing last year, and it worked out perfectly. So I think my superstition is going, is going to be I'm going to do absolutely nothing this year as well and, and see if the same results happen. So, yeah, I actually went into – I basically went into last year thinking, okay, there's – you know, it would be great if the Pelicans won the lottery and the story would be amazing. But, I mean, using basic math that I got from my college degree, the chances of that were very small. So I wasn't – really mentally prepared for that to happen. So I'm going to, I guess I'm going to just wing it again this year and, and, and see what happens. That's Jim's motto for everyday life. Just do nothing <laughs> and wing it every single day. So uh, you've been doing it yeah. for so long. You might as well do it another day, right? That's what I was going to say. It's gotten me this far. No preparation. No, don't think about anything. Just, just make it up and improvise as you go. And it's, it's worked out great so far. Well, Jim, I appreciate the time. We'll see what happens tonight as uh, we will see more of Jim and hear more from Jim as we will do, start doing some player recaps, end of the season stuff, uh, leading you up to the draft. So you're not getting rid of us just yet. I know you're going to try, but you're not. But very easy tonight. You sit on your couch at 7.30 p.m. Central Time on ESPN, and very quickly the Pelicans will know whether they will stay at 13 or will venture into that top four or maybe again for back-to-back -back years being the number one pick for more on everything as far as lottery odds and, and the draft analysis that Jim was able to talk to uh, with Jeremy Wu, you can log on to pelicans.com in the mobile app. Jim, I, I appreciate your time. And uh, maybe next week we'll be talking about a number one pick. We'll see what happens. That would be incredible. But I would say that based on what we talked about a little bit earlier, if it's even a top four, I think that's going to be a really fun conversation. Absolutely. And for those that uh, on the radio side, 6 p.m. Central tonight will be the last Pelicans weekly show of the NBA season with a very special guest. J.J. Redick will join the program as he'll evaluate his first year here in New Orleans. So you don't want to miss that. So that'll be a nice tune up for the 730 p.m. draft lottery again, 6 p.m. Central on ESPN. If you miss it there, it'll be posted on Pelicans.com at 631. Big thanks to Jim. And uh, we'll talk to you tonight. Hopefully we're talking about number one pick, but enjoy the NBA draft lottery. And we'll talk to you next week on the Pelicans podcast presented by Sydney.